I, um, I want to ask you the words. I was touching the microphone. Maybe that's why there was a little bit of uh, statics here. But the words that were read from Romans 12 here, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, and so on and so forth. What do these verses mean to you, Amanda and Shane, on the day of your baptism, on the first day of the rest of your life after you've been baptized? And uh, I'll answer this question for you. I don't know what they mean to you, but I think that they talk to you and all of us about the task of, and I'm going to use a big word, of sanctification. Um, you wouldn't get this from the bulletin because somehow, and it's not Sandy's fault, but some part of the title didn't get between Hillsborough, where I live, and out here. Uh, the reason is that reception on the phone is very poor. So I have to just get my car out of the garage, drive the driveway, go up the hill. Then I climb up a hill on foot, climb a tree, and maybe I hold that like, like this and, and hold on to dear life. And maybe I have some reception if the sun is right and the wind is in the right direction and so on and so forth. If you add to this the buggy and the horse, the clippity-clop of the horse that passed by with the Amish. Uh, but the title, the full title that makes me think that this verse talks about sanctification is serving the living God. You see? I just don't want to talk to you this morning only about the living God, but about you and me and us serving the living God. You see? Now, how do I get this out of this text? You know? Um, that's a good question. What does the words say? What the verses say here? It says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Holy. Now, those of you that have heard me before, you probably know that holy, the word holy, is the Germanic word equivalent of the word in Latin, which is saint, sanctus. From sanctus, we get the word sanctification. What does sanctification mean? It means to become holy. But maybe not in that church sense, but I would say to be holy, devoted, dedicated to God. That's what sanctification is, to become more intentional and fully belonging to God. You see, we are religious beings, and that's how we offer our service and our worship to God. Throughout the remainder of our life, we give ourselves more and more, inch by inch, day by day, to God and his purpose for you and for me. See, now that task of sanctification takes place after an initial coming to realization. After the initial coming uh, from being unconscious to being conscious of God, to being conscious that the world is not what we want. We want something better, you see. After we have turned around, become conscious of this, and shown this in baptism, that's the initial, that's the beginning. But then there's the rest of your life after this, in which the seed that has sprouted, now it grows, right? You're just a bunch, uh, you're just a couple, the two of you, of sprouted peas. That's what you are, sweet peas, <laughs> You know, but you, you just sprouted. But now you, you, I mean, you need to continue growing throughout the years. Like the people that have white hair in this. Throughout the years, every human being is grown by God. In the gospel, it says by itself. 
But intentionality and nurture can help to grow better, right? Like a child will grow no matter what, but if you give some food and then a good shelter, and they'll grow better. So that's what we want to, I want to focus this morning a little bit on how you can understand the process so you can cooperate with it. That process that God is, no matter what, doing into your life of growing. Now that you've started, you say, okay, I want to do that. See? But it takes place after the realization and after the initial acceptance of God's love. The song Amazing Grace that the congregation sung beautifully for you during the baptism tells us from A to Z about the acceptance and the grace and the mercy of God. A God who is, as you read in John 3, 16 and 17, he's not here to judge people, he's for saving the world, right? Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. As we hide, he's not hiding, he's there to look for us. He is to be refer- reverenced, but yet he's comforting. The song Amazing Grace says, tells us that he's promised good to us. He will be our portion, our shield, as long as life endures. He's protecting and leading. He's eternal and life-giving for thousands of years. So amazing grace is what we have sung, and that's the foundation of our turning to God like you have done in baptism. So, because of the love and the mercy of God for us, this text encourages all of us, and you especially, Shane and Amanda, To think about now, how are you going to reciprocate and grow into serving the living God? That's what the theologians call the task of sanctification. But that's a complicated word. That's what it is. Based on Now, look at how the apostle tells this. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Because of the mercies of God, he he says, I beseech you, brethren. The writer here calls us brethren. We are all equal before God. All of us. We say it, and I say amen to that, and I want to apply it more and more. No money, age, gender, talent, socioeconomical standing, longevity in the church, no degrees, no uh, perceived goodness of behavior, no Bible knowledge makes one better than the other. The one who's been married five times in this church is just as good as the one that is single. The one that, the one that smokes is just as good as the one that gossips. The one that, that is doing his best but fails here is just like everybody else. We're all the same before God, you understand? This is the way it is. The one that wears a brooch or a tie, chooses to have some ornament on themselves like I do this morning, is no worse than the one that doesn't have a long Amish dress. You know, we're all equal. We're all brothers and sisters. There's not one that's better than the other. Each one of us is preferred by God as special. Each of us serves the living God as fully accepted by him, the way we are. And therefore, we accept each other. Therefore, we don't command each other or force each other. We beseech each other. We're beseeched. We don't command, suggest forcefully, nicely, We don't lord it over. We don't beat on or judge one another. This relationship that we are having in God's church because of God's mercy is not one of power, coercion, authority, manipulation, or enforcement, but it's one of understanding, acceptance, forbearance, kindness, and love. We fail in it, but that's the ideal. Amen? I've failed in this, but I still want this to be the case. 
That's why I say amen, even though I have failed. I hope you say amen, too. We do not coerce each other, don't force each other. Rather, we encourage, emulate, invite one another. In the church, we affectionately, with respect, because of the love of God for us, beseech one another in love and as equal to serve the living God to the task of sanctification with no hint of force whatsoever and at any time. That's the foundation of sanctification. Sanctification, which is high ideals, must have this acceptance at the foundation. It is our task to fully accept ourselves. Sometimes we're harsher down on ourselves than on others. To fully accept ourselves as we strive towards, be, towards being better. With no judgment, condescension, or condemnation to self or to others. It is the task that we have to lovingly encourage each other to pursue, not to punitively enforce on each other sanctification the way that we see it. That's the way that I see biblical sanctification. And that's the way that I believe it must be every day, at nomination times, and every second of the year. Now that these basic points are settled, which, as you could see, I settled with great passion. Because that's the basis. You don't have this, you have fake sanctification. True sanctification is only based on true gospel. Applied. Now that these basic points are settled, how do we serve the living God? In one word. I'd like to simplify it and make it 21st century for you and me. Individuate. What's that? What's that? I told you a moment ago about the Germanic and the Latin word for holy, but the author of the text that we read this morning wrote in Greek, and he thought in Hebrew. So, the root word for holy in Hebrew is likadesh. And that word likadesh has to do with being separated. You know how creation occurred, right? God separated light from darkness. Separation, individuation, makes for a more orderly wor wor world. And so the way that God grows us is to lead us into finding out who we are that is unique. Yes, see? Ellen White spoke about this. Individuality in education. Very important. You see? Sanctification, as I see it, the, 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 the task of growing throughout your years of life up to the last minute and the last second and the last breath is to become separated. In, paradoxically, it's only when you are separated and hold yourself that you can have relationship and intimacy with each other. But as you become separated, individuated, uniquely developed for God, according to his perfect will for each one of you, for your life, that's how you become sanctified. And I keep the words sanctified and holy kind of on the side because there are so many churchy connotations that are cloudy. So I want to open wide the door. Then I'll close it very tight, but I want to open the door wide. Think of it, that's big. That's bigger than what our regular definition of sanctification is. It covers for everyone here in this room an immense and wonderful task. It's a task that is bigger than just becoming a cultural saint in the eyes of the people here in this room or even outside. With a review and herald on your breath and a very plain life, it becomes, it's becoming somebody that is becoming what God has meant you to be. Actually, it's got everything to do with just being you, the way that he created you in his image. 
with a particular component. That's you. Who are you? Who are you to be? Who are you meant to be? Who do you what do you dream to be? What is, what is the image that you have in the back of, my, of your mind about what you want to be? These are not dreams that just come from the bad part of yourself. It's from God. It's very precious and it's, very, it's something that's very holy. Don't be afraid. I am keeping intentionally the word God a little bit out of the picture here because that churchy religious word may have some connotation that obscure your ability to see what really is the reality of what you are. But it's not because he's not in the process. He is in the process of you growing very intimately, closer than you think. In every aspect, he is very involved in this. I just keep the word out. But he is there in that process of growing throughout all the seconds of your precious life. Sanctification, the walk of your life after baptism, is finding out what is the good acceptable, wonderful, perfect will of God for your life in every aspect of it. Think of that. In whatever years of life we each one have ahead of us, it's the task that makes you individuated. I believe many contemporary authors, both secular and Christian, both Christian and secular authors, have been talking about this task. Sometimes the church becomes over-spiritualized, and so God just says, okay, what? I'm going to talk with some others as well. There's many others. Sharon Parks, Carl Jung, James Fowler, Levinson, Jim Harrington, Christian Taylor. They all have written about this task. McNeil, Winnicott, and, and Ulanov, one of my favorite authors, talks about how we become fully developed. You see? That's the task that comes after coming into consciousness like you've done this morning. Read your Bible as well as some of these authors. Ellen White is one of them too. All of these. Quickly, three areas of sanctification are mentioned in those verses. It says, present your body, right? Then it also says, speaks about the renewing of your, of your what? Mind. Of your mind, that's it. And then I think there's an allusion to the soul as well. Uh, the area of us that's got to do with our feeling and perception and intuition. That you may prove or feel or know God's perfect will for you. So here you have that trilogy. You have the body and the, and, and, and the mind and the heart and the soul. That makes me think of many texts from Deuteronomy and the Gospels and even in the epistles in First Thessalonians that talk to us about those three together. Love the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and with all your strength. Right? So this is all, all there. These three areas, you can find them in those verses that talk to you about your task, the task that's ahead of you, the task in which we all are engaged, whether we are young or whether we are older. Three areas. I want to really open wide the door here. And after that, maybe just close a little bit. But the first one is is the last one that's in the text. The reason is that the Apostle Paul, he wrote as a Hebrew, as a Semitic person, and they think with the end in mind. Actually, they write from left to right. I mean, from right to left, the other way around. So I'll translate it for us with a Western mind. The first point that I want to bring out is, uh, regarding those three areas is, is the soul. Prove, it says, that you may prove that, how does the word that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will 
of God. Where is it that you prove that you, what's the part of yourself that says, hmm, I know that. No matter what they tell me, I know that. What is the part of yourself that says, hmm, this looks like this and like that, but hmm, I think I'm going to do that. What's that part? It's the intuition. It's the part that has to do with what you smell and feel. It's, it's something that I think we can talk about this in terms of the soul. Something that there's a part of you, there's a part of you that knows what you don't know. There's a part of you that knows ahead of time. And, and as you listen to that little voice, I think that's God's voice also that talks through that. But that part of you that, 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 is, that is sensitive to, to feeling and so on and so forth. So the fr- where does it start? To find out how you will become everything, how, we, how you will grow into everything that you're supposed to be. It's by feeling. Feeling what it is that God has made you to be. Feeling God as there is some time of reflection of feeling with him. As you pay attention to this little voice, speaking through the word of God, the Bible as well. As, you, as God talks and you listen, as you write a journal of your thoughts, I encourage you to do that. It will be very helpful to you. Maybe you have done this before already. As you keep track of even, yes, something exotic like your dreams. You know, in, this is biblical. I mean, Daniel kept track of his dreams, didn't he? As you use each other as a married couple, as you use brothers and sisters to receive loving feedback, says the truth when I'm supposed to hear it, you remember that? As you do that, that is what enables you to feel your way with your soul as far as where God wants you to be, who you want to be. But that's not all. It cannot remain at this well, this hazy feeling level. It says, not just that you may know the will of God, but you, you need, to, you need to, to think about it. You need to be renewed by the transformation. You need, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Your mind is where you think. Sharon Dallas Parks says that as we grow again and again, and I have experienced this in my growth, in just a few years of life, but some that are older than me may have also experienced this. As we grow again and again, she says, we undergo the loss of our most cherished patterns of meaning and anchors of trust as we discover that they are not sufficient. In other words, there's always a growing of ourselves that involves, oh, that doesn't fit anymore, right? I mean, your dolls were good for a while, you know, what is Barbie's dolls, uh, the husband? What's her name? What's the name? Yeah. What? Ken. Ken, that's right. Ken is no good for you anymore, Amanda. Now you want to have Shane, right? So the <laughs> you have to give up Ken so you can have Shane. So, and that's just an example. But for every, So we grow, and there's something that needs to be left behind and something that must be, makes room for something new. And the new comes as a cons- consequence of we say yes to the new after we've said no to something that's not adequate anymore. So the no, do not be conformed to the world. Oh, yes, I know the world. What does the world mean? Of course I know that. Of course it means no TV. It means not this, not that, and not the other. It means being peculiar and different. 
Well, maybe we need to hear that. Because nowadays, just like every time, there's a temptation for Christians to just look the same as the people in the world. I don't know, however, it has to do with the way that the outside, I think it's got to do more with the inside. I think the story that we hear that it has to do with the outside is not complete. I think, you know, my Amish friends that live next to me, they think that the world is to have a hat, that the rim of the hat is more than 10 inches. Or the world is to use electricity instead of kerosene lamps. You see how that doesn't make sense? I mean, not for me at least. To not be conformed to the world, to say no to the world, has got to do something that has more to do with something deeper than this. Don't be conformed to the world is not uh, uh, about becoming part of a cult and becoming weird. The whole point is to not decide not to, to be conformed to anything but what God wants you to be. What they tell you that you should be, you can listen, but you need to evaluate and compare it with what you personally, inside of your heart, knows that God is telling you. That's nonconformity. That's biblical nonconformity. Don't conform to the world, you see. For some of you, it may be don't conform to fashion. You know, some of the girls, maybe you need to do, be a little less concerned about being like others in fashion. For some others, it may be just don't gobble up whatever they tell you God is and what you should be. You know, don't conform to that. For all of us, it's refusing saying no to conformity other than conformity with God wants what I know God wants me to be. Don't be afraid of questioning. Don't be afraid of to ask the questions and the reasons why. Jesus said he would lead us by this Holy Spirit to all truth. And that the truth, the truth, what you know is truth for you, will set you free. And one of our oldest Adventist writers said, don't be afraid. Our beliefs, if they are true, they, they can sustain close examination. You know, if something doesn't really fit, it's probably because it doesn't. If there's something that doesn't feel right, it's probably because it isn't. So don't be afraid of identifying, asking questions, so that you can discard the thoughts that really are not truth. Discard whatever it is that the world, the outside world, wants you to conform to, but really you shouldn't conform to it because it's not what you know, what you know right here that God has given you. Once you've done that, you've made room for renewal. As you said no to things, you said yes to others. Yes is replacing the stuff that may have fit somehow to something that fits better for you now. Be ye transformed, it says, by the renewing of your mind. Yes, of course, I know that. You replace the stuff of the world with the stuff of God. Yes, with biblical messages, with, oh, we don't, we've done the Bible studies. And we listen only to 3 ABN. That's good and true. The Bible tells us, yes, your word is a lamp under my feet and a light unto my path. Your word is truth. So we replace the things of the world with the things of God. But that's more than this. You see, somewhere else the Apostle Paul tells us that we're transformed by beholding Jesus. That's something that's closer. It's more spiritual. In some ways, we need to have this objective book, but at the same time, our reading is always subjective. And so I want to open the door wide to you engaging into the rest of your life with an open mind to find out what are the new things 
that will fit for you, that God wants you to have, that will enable you to be more fully developed and not to be tied up in some faulty beliefs that you might have gotten from your families of origin or from anywhere. You may be free by the truth that God wants to provide. Don't be afraid of exploring. Let every part of yourself be welcome and respected in a conversation. The faithful part, the one that has faith, and the one that has some doubts. The religious part of you, as well as the one that's more secular. The good one, and the part that's a little less good. That part deserves not maybe to be given into, but it deserves some conversation and respect. The strong part and the wounded part, wounded part of you. What do you think? What do you feel? Every part of you is welcome at the table. And God is able to transform those things that are not fully developed and not fully adequate yet. And therefore we say they are bad into something that's more mature. Something can use for, he can use for you and for his glory. So, repentance is something that started you on the way as young adults. And baptism was a symbol of this looking backwards. But baptism is also a, a, a symbol looking forward of that ongoing death to the old and yes to the new life that God wants to give. Baptism is also a looking forward, uh, a symbol that looks forward to that lifelong task of day by day becoming a new person, better than the one the day before, you see? The wider meaning that I hear in all of this is be open. The third and last point I have here is present your bodies. The first, the first, the beginning is to feel where God wants you to go. The second one is to think about it. Say no to certain things, yes to others. Be renewed in your mind. Not conformed, not conformed. But the third one, is present your bodies. For me, the mention of bodies has to do with living in the real world. The body is something that's real. I can touch it, I can smell it sometimes, and I can certainly feel it, right? So when we hear this many times, oh yes, I know what that means. That means having to do with uh, sexual purity and the health message. Yeah? Present your bodies holy and so on and so forth. Of course it means don't, you know, keep that bottle of whiskey away and the sweeter sweets and all these things, and don't do drugs, and don't go and eat the vultures, and if you can, if you can eat organic. All of these things are good, don't take me wrong. Vegetarian, all, but because the body is, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God communicates to us through a body, our body. That's true, but, but, but that's not all. That's not all. The wider meaning that I see in this text is that the task of sanctification cannot just happen on Sabbath morning in the religious arena. It doesn't just happen in the prayer closet when you read your Bible into the inside. Sanctification and the development of yourself must be seen and touched and felt and smelt and tasted in the real world, you see, day by day in your life. It must be not just felt, not just reflected, but actuated, brought to be reality, actual reality in the world. You see? So what does it mean to you to have been created in the image of God? Now, don't forget, God created the butterfly and he created the pig, both God's creations, right? He made the flower and he made the storm. He made the flower and he made the storm. He made both, the whole thing. So what does it mean for you to be in the image of God? Shane, do you think it's, 
Does it, does it involve at all loving Amanda day and night? Amanda, does it have to do with loving Shane? You bet it does. For, for the people in the Chariot of Fire movie. You remember that movie, the old people like me? <laughs> he said, when I run, I feel God. Huh? Running was part of sanctification for him, was part of full development. Somebody wants to drive a truck, they like that. For me, it has to do with music, contemporary music. I love this. It involved getting my motorcycle license and getting a lot of flack from it from some of you, telling me that that was, not a, that was a foolish thing to do, and my mother. It involved being a little less of a nice boy, always saying yes, thank you, and being a little more of a man in touch with everything that's going on inside. That's part of growing, you see. It involves going to, or thinking about going to hunt in the woods of southwestern Wisconsin. Yes, I still look, and it involves all of these things. No, 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 no. Sanctification doesn't just have to, uh, to do with you know, reading your Bible and, and reading you know, all, all, all these things, going to prayer meeting, being vegetarian and active in church activities. That's part of it, but that's not all. That's not all. Sanctification entails the living in the reality of your bodies in a way that fulfills all the purposes for which God created you when he made your mind and your hands and every part of your body and who you are. That's how you please and give an acceptable and good service to God because of his love for you. You withdraw from this and you withhold any part of it and you've slighted God. Therefore, I beseech you, my brothers and sisters, that you would think on how you can serve the living God this way. Present your bodies. It requires courage, work, discipline, but it's what God wants us to do. And I think he said this in these verses. I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your, your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Yes, Little sprouted peas. There's growth ahead of you. Nurture that growth with those thoughts of freedom and of receiving what God, the big, the living God, not the little box that the, the many times we've made him to be, what the big living God wants to make of you. He has brought you to this place, to this church. That's a step forward for you. You have discerned that. Continue. Brothers and sisters, I've tried to make sanctification something as large and as wide and as comprehensive as I could be. Wider than we, that I have defined it many a time in the past. Becoming individuated, separated, sanctified, separated for God's purpose. According to the unique purpose that he has for you. Trusting God to guide you with the feelings. <sighs> yes, inside of your soul. Trusting God to guide your thoughts under the guidance of his Holy Spirit to relinquish what's error and that's good for you anymore. That doesn't serve you. doesn't serve you anymore. And adopting what's new and better for you, fits better. Away from conformity and towards conformity with him. And actualizing, actuating all of this in the reality of God's wonderful physical world in all of its splendor, whether you play with a dog or whether you sing a hymn in church. Don't be afraid. Wide open. I finish with closing the door completely tight. 
What is required of you in tackling this task is no less than complete dedication. Complete. Nothing else. As we start our life, we are divided a little bit. We try to give a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But the, the ideal, what you, you and I must grow into, is to be completely devoted to that one task. The living God calls us to be a living sacrifice. Everything given, nothing held back. Nothing should distract you and me from this single task. A couple of authors that said that. Bly, if the gifts are not acted upon, they retreat and return where they came from. It's a sad warning. Life gives the person 10 or 15 years to change his life in response to the amazing visions that have been brought to him or to her. But if that doesn't happen, they go back down, abandoning him, and the last state of this man or this woman is evidently worse than the first. And Ulanov, if we cannot bear the promptings of this urge toward individuation, that always leads to catastrophe. If you start this, Shane and Amanda, and all of us, but then that fear keeps you in conformity to others, you lose. If you stop loving and following the truth as you deep down know it, you'll run the risk Thessalonians tells us of being deluded. Love the truth at all costs. Let your eye be single on this task. It's the only thing worth anything. The treasure and the pearl. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. You need to have complete dedication to this. It's wide open, but you need to be very narrowly dedicated to that one task. Everything flows from that. Keep your heart. It's the spring of life. Lose your soul for the sake of conformity, and you've lost everything. There's a song that says, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You bet, you bet you. Obey completely, not the world, but obey this call of God, personal call of God to become. Obey completely and always. God, we want to thank you that because of the good, the good death, the good life and the good death of Jesus, we all have received today and for eternity a good signature from you. And in that safety, in the assurance of your love and your acceptance of us, we, with, we want to thank you that we can go to the cross of Jesus to find this not as a place of death, but also a place of resurrection, a place of renewal, a place of becoming and of growing into what you want us for eternity. And I pray and I commend each one of us here to your care, and especially Amanda and Shane, as we, as we cooperate with you letting, uh, making us grow every day of our life. And now, we want to receive your blessing as you've given it. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. May the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us and together 
until we meet again. Amen.